Good morning, everyone. So we've got two readings this morning, nice one-liners or one, one verses. They must have known I was reading. Um, so first one, we've got John 14, 27. If you want to get your apps or Bibles out if you're old school. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And the second's from John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, it's good to see you. Um, if, uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors of Village, although most of the time I'm over at the East Congregation, so um, it's good to be with you. And Hope to be over here more as my uh, health improves. So um, I just want to introduce uh, our speaker this morning. So um, Lonnie Short and his wife, Dissy, are over. Uh, they are uh, currently, um, uh, he helps pastor a church in Texas, or actually a family of churches. So doing very similar things to what we would like to see done here, uh, a church that is planted. How many churches have you guys planted now? Six. Six. So they're a little ahead of the curve. So um, but they've been, their church has been very kind and generous to us. They sent over uh, $15,000 whenever we were renovating uh, the, the building over in East and um, have been very kind to us. So, uh, but Lonnie and Disty are personal friends of ours as well. Um, Lonnie and Disty have known me since I was 13. Um, so we'll leave right after the service so you don't have time to talk to them and get any dirt on me or especially Leanne in the back. Don't, don't be talking to, to them at all. And uh, no, uh, Lonnie was my youth pastor, and it's probably the reason, humanly speaking, while I'm in ministry. Um, and then uh, we were colleagues as well, and, and, and worked underneath him in a church in Michigan for a while as well, so before coming back here. So uh, they're dear friends of ours, and uh, I know you'll be blessed uh, by them this morning. And uh, uh, Lonnie likes a little bit of interaction. And, and so over in East, you know, those guys are a little bit more laid back. So I said, hey, over in, in, in South, these guys are up for it. So. So, you know, you got some of the more clappers and, and ameners over here. So don't, don't, don't let me down uh, on, the, on the reputation uh, over here. You're smaller, but definitely more powerful. So, um, Lonnie, let me just pray for you real quick, and then um, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll tear you loose. Uh, Father, we thank you for your church globally. Um, that uh, this morning, today, throughout this Sunday, there will literally be millions of your uh, people gathering throughout the world to sing your praises, uh, to sit under the authority of the Bible, uh, to have the Holy Spirit meet with us in uh, real and powerful ways, uh, to change us, to form us. Uh, Father, we do this each and every week because uh, we need it. Um, we are forgetful people. We need to be reminded of who you are and who we are as your people. Uh, and so, Father, I just pray for Lonnie this morning that you would just anoint him as he preaches, that you would give him uh, just the freedom in the pulpit, um, that his words would be your words, um, and that you would use them to encourage us, to, uh, to rebuke us if necessary, to build us up, to make us into people that are shaped more in the image of Jesus this morning. For your glory and our joy. Amen. One of the greatest gifts you can receive and give is the gift of peace. Hard to live life without peace. The bad news is, is you can't create or come up with peace in and of yourself. You don't have what it takes. That's the bad news. Guess what? 
How many of you know there's good news? Good news is, is that Jesus gives peace freely. Today, if you need his peace, he wants to give it to you. And he wants you to know him. Uh, and so it cost him everything for us to have peace, but he freely gives his wonderful salvation. The title of our message today is Jesus Gives Peace. As Lucas said last Sunday, I got to uh, have the privilege of sharing God's word uh, in the other location. So it's, it's good to be with you today. It's my third time to Ireland, second time to Belfast. And we try, we try our best to bring a lot of Texas sun. I don't know how well we've done this trip, but we're, we've tried. Uh, when we left there, it was sunny in 80, so, so uh, quite warm there. So it's, it's actually good here to come and cool off a little bit. So we're, we're glad to be with you. We're proud of you. We're thankful for you guys that you're spreading the gospel, planting another church. How many of you know we're to reproduce after our own kind? Do you expect McDonald's to have a church? Huh? Right? So churches are to plant churches, and we're excited that you're doing that. You're spreading the gospel, making disciples. Jesus gives peace. Here's my question. Has everyone got an outline? Raise your hand if you have an outline. Okay, has everyone got one? Does anyone need one? Uh, Here's my question today. Are you a peacemaker or a peace breaker? When you walk into the room, what do you think people say about you? Oh, no, here she comes. Right? Or, oh, oh, joy, here he comes. Woohoo! When you walk into the room, does it get brighter or does it get a little darker when you walk in the room? If you're not sure, you could probably ask the person next to you and they could probably help you out on that answer, right? Are you a peace? Can you say that phrase with me? Lucas told you I was, I was going to ask you to be involved a little bit. Can you say that phrase with me out loud? Are you a peacemaker or a peace? Breaker. All right, now a couple of you were asleep, so now that you're all awake, here we go. Let's do it one more time. Are you a peacemaker or a peace breaker? How many of you have been asked that question before? Good. I like asking questions that are kind of unique. Well, today we're going to talk about God's peace and, and, and Jesus gives peace. If you do not receive the peace of Christ, can I, can I warn you what your life's going to be like? It's going to be miserable. And guess what? If you don't learn how to make peace with others, your life is going to be miserable. It's a skill that you need to develop. It's something that the Lord wants to give you. He wants to give you his peace, and he wants you to give it to others. Uh, I'll just give you a little bit of my background so we can connect a little bit. <clears throat> my mom had me when she was 14. How many of you think that's a little young to have kids? I, I think that's, how, how old's Avery? 14, there you go. So uh, Lucas thinks that's a little young to have kids. He's not ready to be a grandpa quite yet. Uh, wouldn't be the Christmas present that he wants this year. But my mom, my mom had me when she was 14, and that didn't go so well. My dad was a teenager. Normally when two teenagers get married, it's, it's, a, it's a bad deal. They started to go at night to the wrong places, places I wouldn't go to. And while they were there, my mom spotted another guy, and he spotted her, and then my mom had an affair. And by the time I was five, my, my parents were divorced. And then my mom got remarried to a, a drug dealer. My mom ended up being married five times. My dad was married again, divorced. And so um, I wish when my mom and dad had a little blow up, a, a, little, a little problem, I wish they would have known how to make peace, but they didn't know how. 
And so they got divorced. And I wish they knew how to repair brokenness. I wish they would have known how to make peace. Most people don't. And so from my child, how many of you uh, grew up with your parents staying married? How many of you grew up in a home where your parents were married? So most of you, uh, you almost all of you, just about. So when I grew up, I, I don't have one memory of my mom and dad together at one of my birthdays. Not one. I, my mom and dad, were. I, I played a lot of um, sports. My mom and dad were never at one of my sports games together. I have no memories of my mom and dad ever being at a game together. Uh, I never have any memories of birthdays together. I don't have one memory of one Christmas with my mom and dad together. I don't have any of those. I wish they would have been peacemakers, but they didn't know how. So my dad, he, he married and divorced, he remarried and then divorced again. And so once the second time his marriage didn't work out, he became bitter towards all women. All women were bad. So guess what he thought about my wife when he met her? He gave me a little pep talk. And uh, he said, Lonnie, uh, so... My, uh, my, my dad's mom, uh, my grandmother, my wife has her wedding ring on right now. It's a good-sized wedding ring. It's two and a half carats. When we got married, it was valued at $5,600. That was worth more than the car that I owned. And so that was my grandmother's ring, and she gave it to me when I got married. And so when my dad met my wife, uh, he said, Lonnie, after she uses you and leaves you, tell her we want the ring back. We want to keep it in the family. I said, Dad, I I, I don't think that's really going to be necessary. But his only experience was that marriage didn't work. So I I wish my dad would have been a peacemaker. I wish he would have known how to do that. I wish my mom would have known how to do that. And so without peace, my family was greatly damaged. And your, your life will be greatly damaged if you don't learn how to be a peacemaker, if you don't receive the peace of Christ and learn how to share it with others. And so maybe today you're in a relationship that's struggling. Maybe your parents are going through a divorce right now. Maybe you've been through that. Maybe you're going through a painful relationship right now with your children. Maybe a sibling. Maybe you've been betrayed by a friend. Maybe one of your siblings is distant from you and you don't really get along. Maybe your in-laws are more like outlaws. But the quality of life, the quality of life is dependent upon the quality of relationships. And so if you want to experience happiness, it's supreme hope and joy, uh, you got to have peace with God, peace with yourself, and peace with others. To have that supreme hope and joy. The good news is God specializes in things that are broken. He can put things that are broken back together. Restore harmony. Make things whole again. On your outline, there's a little definition there. Just some uh, definition of the word peace. Harmony. Wholeness. Rest. Integrity. Your words and your actions match. Tranquility. Ephesians 4, 3 says that you and I are to maintain 
The unity of spirit and the bond of peace. That's, that's not on your outline there. It's just a, a separate verse. Ephesians 4, 3. Maintain means effort. And so how many of you know you can't give something that you don't have? If I asked you to drive my car today, if it were here, could you do that? only person that could do it would be my wife because she's the only one that would have a key. You can't give something that you don't have. And so the, the, first, the first main point we have today is Jesus gives us peace with God. Jesus gives us peace with God. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, we can be made right with God. We can have peace. Today, have you been born again? Do you know the Lord is your Savior? Do you have peace with God? You can't give something that you don't have. Do you have that peace? When you lay your head on your pillow at night, do you have his peace? Have you been born again? Have you been saved? Now, there's a couple of uh, verses there on your outline that kind of describes people who are unbelievers and people who are believers. The first one would be unbelievers. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. I hope these words don't describe you. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, Paul says, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I hope those words don't describe you today. But here's the good news. If they do... You can be set free and forgiven of all that. You can have his peace. You can be delivered from all that. Now, a person who's been born again, a person who has surrendered their life to Jesus Christ and become a Christ follower, that person normally looks like this. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Maybe you're familiar with this scripture. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Do those words describe you? That's what a believer looks like, those who produce the fruit of the Spirit. Do you have peace with God? So on your outline there, what does it mean to be a Christ follower? What are three key components to put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you trusted Jesus Christ? Have you become a Christ follower? Have you been born into his family? Have you experienced total surrender to him? There's three key words there on your outline there. There's intellectual uh, component of belief. There's volitional and there's emotional. Those are three key components to saving faith. All right. James chapter two says that demons, James chapter two talks about a demonic faith. Have you heard that phrase before? A demonic faith. James 2 talks about three types of faith. One is a dead faith, one is a demonic faith, and one is a live faith, a true faith, which, which include the three components that are on your outline. Do you know that demons have two out of three? How many of you know in this particular case when it comes to salvation, two out of three is bad, right? Two out of three won't cut it, right? So guess which two, guess which two of the three demons have? Someone help me out. Intellectual. Do, do, do you think demons believe that God exists, that Jesus exists? Do you think they believe that intellectually? Sure they do. 
What else, what's another component that they have in here of the three? Which one do they also have? The Bible says that, the, that when the demons get around the Lord, they do what? They tremble. They have emotional belief. There's a good chance that demons intellectually and emotionally believe in Christ more than you do. Did you know that? I mean, it kind of makes sense. They've, they face-to-face interacted with him, right? So it kind of makes sense. So why in the world would demons not go to heaven? Because they don't have the third component. Who do demons follow? Do they follow Jesus or do they follow Satan? Who do demons follow? Satan. So they're not Christ followers, even though they believe in Christ intellectually, emotionally, they're satanic followers and they will go where Satan will end up and Satan will, end, will not end up in heaven. Is that what they teach here? Is that what you guys teach here? Satan will not end up in heaven, right? And so you have, does it make sense you have to have all three components? You know that there's lots of people, probably in, in, in same as Ireland, is the same as in the States. There are lots of people that will put their rear end in a chair on a sunny morning in a box like this. And they believe intellectually, and they believe emotionally. But guess who they follow all week long? They don't follow Jesus, but yet they think they're a Christian. So we need to be careful that we have true saving faith, that we've surrendered our lives to Christ. doesn't mean we're perfect, but we are, we are trusting in him. When I was nine years old, I gave my life to Jesus. When I was nine years old, I comprehended that I was a sinner. I needed a savior. I can't show it to you, but I've had a scar on my left bicep my whole life. It goes across my bicep. It's because I climbed into my dad's lap when I was little, and he spilled coffee on me, and he burnt me with coffee. And I think that I get into my non-conscious so deeply, I've never had a cup of coffee. Just, I just got scarred as a little boy, you know. That's kind, of a jo- that's kind of a joke, but it might be real. I don't know. And so when I was nine years old, I gave my life to Christ. I realized I was a a sinner and I needed a savior. I believed in John 3, 16. And during a little vacation Bible school at church, I gave my life to Christ. And I experienced peace with God. I was on his side from now on. And since I was nine, that's been 46 years ago, I've been a Christ follower. I haven't always done it well, and, and I've stumbled a lot and made a lot of mistakes, but I've really wanted to live for the Lord since then. Jesus gives us peace with God. You believe that? I hope you've experienced that. If not, you can do it today. Secondly, Jesus gives us the peace of God. A couple of scriptures there. Isaiah 26, 3. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. You see that we have a responsibility there? Where should your mind be focused? Do you know that whatever you focus on magnifies? Whatever you focus on grows, right? And so is your mind stayed on the Lord? If you want peace, your mind's got to be focused on him. You've got to learn to trust in him. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the, what is it? What's the phrase? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me illustrate this for a second. Lucas, do you have enough energy to stand for just a minute? Uh, Jonathan? Can you, uh, 
your goal is to hit Lucas with that backpack. Okay, so that's going to be your goal. So the Bible says that when hard times come into our lives, the enemy wants us to get worried and stressed out and be anxious. But the peace of God goes back and forth to those who will trust in the Lord and those who will pray and those who will depend on him. The peace of God goes back and forth and it guards your mind. And so go ahead and try to hit Lucas with that backpack. Okay. And so the peace of God says, oh, no, 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 we're not going there. Huh? It guards who we are on the inside. Thank you, Parks Brothers. Do you see how that works? It goes back and forth and it guards your mind. That's what the peace of God does to those who trust in him, to those who submit to him, to those who focus on him and cry out to him. Now in your outline there, I've got a, got a, few, uh, a, a few examples of uh, times when it may be hard to trust in the Lord, uh, hard to surrender to him and to pray to him and cry out to him. Uh, the first one is uncontrollable circumstances. Uncontrollable circumstances. Lucas and Sue right now are facing uncontrollable circumstances with the C word, right? Cancer. And so they are learning to trust and, and, and continue to obey and submit and trust in the Lord and keep their mind on him even in the midst of uncontrollable circumstances. You're going to face that in life. And that's going to be a time for you to learn to build your trust and to learn to trust in the Lord. And so when hard times come into our lives, John, can I use you one more time just because you're, you're uh, young and energetic, uh, not like you're a worn out old, you know. Okay, so if you'll hold that rope, you can, you can back up just a little bit. Okay, so once again, when, un, when hard times come into our lives, when uncontrollable circumstances come into our lives, this is the rope of adversity. What do you think God wants to do in your life through those hard times? So John, if you can just gently come my way. This is the rope of adversity. And as you submit to the Lord and you trust in the Lord, he will use these hard times, these unexplainable, uncontrollable, and he will draw you what? Closer to him. But what if, if John, if you'll back up a little bit, what if John says, you know what, daggone it, this isn't fair, this isn't right, I can't believe my wife is treating me that way, I cannot believe this, it's not right, and, I'm, and, and John lets go of the rope. Now, is he going to draw closer to the Lord through that adversity? If, if he complains and gripes and won't submit, now he's not getting closer. Do you see how that works? The rope of adversity. Thanks, John. The rope of adversity through hard times. If you'll submit and trust in the Lord and depend on him and lean on him through uncontrollable circumstances. On your outline there, there's one of my favorite phrases. When it is not well with our circumstances, it can be well with our souls. How many of you know that old song, when peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Can you say that today, no matter what you're going through? Can you say that it is well with your soul? Uncontrollable circumstances will help us learn to build our trust in the Lord. Secondly, unchangeable people. 
You ever been around any of those? Don't elbow the person next to you, okay? Don't. You ever been around any people that are a little bit unlovable, unchangeable? Do you know why God puts unlovable people in your life? Do you know why he does that? Because you need to learn how to do something better. Why do you think it is? Love people. Anyone can, anyone can love easy people, right? It's hard to love the, the difficult. So God allows unchangeable people he, to change us to love people better. I told you my mom and dad got uh, divorced when I was younger. And then my dad and I were never close. And my dad was the only child and he was very self-centered. And I prayed for my dad for over 20 years. He wasn't real lovable. I would drive across the country, visit him with my family. After about 30 minutes, he'd say, Lonnie, I think it's time for you to go. I got to go change the oil in the car. After I'd drive eight hours, 12 hours, he wasn't real lovable. But praying for him and praying for him and praying for him and praying for him, after 20 years, he got right with the Lord and became a very different person. Different person. The, the, the power of prayer, but it helps me learn how to love better. Sometimes we learn through uncontrollable circumstances, sometimes through unchangeable people, and then thirdly, through unexplainable problems. Unexplainable problems. You know Jesus had a few problems? He, 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 he experienced rejection and loneliness and temptation and stress and family issues and criticism, and his own family didn't believe in him. Unexplainable problems. On your outline there, worship in your greatest ways will likely be in your darkest days. I like to rhyme things sometimes. That's a little rhyme for you. Worship in your greatest ways will likely be in your darkest days. On planet Earth, suffering is normal and pain is essential. It's, it's just normal. It's just part of a broken world. But can I encourage you to do this? Keep your eyes on Jesus. When they're full of tears. And there'll be times Jesus wept. There'll be times that you'll, you'll weep. Here's good advice. Good thing to remember. That, that God is light. Jesus is light. And in him is no darkness at all. But guess what? He is all in your darkness. With you. Remember those three guys in the fiery furnace? Shadrach, Meshach, and as we taught our kids, off to bed we go. You know those guys? And they said, whoa, 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 look in there. Whoa, who is, there's somebody in there with him. And he'll be with you in your dark times, even though he's all light. Jesus gives us the peace of God. On your outline there, when you start to worry, when you're going through hard times and difficult times, and we all are tempted to worry, when you start to worry, you know what worry is? It's an alarm. Ding, 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 ding. You know what it means? Oh, I need to pray. When I start to worry, that's an alarm off of my, goes off my head. Oh, Lonnie, time to pray. So next time you start to worry about something. You see, worry buries blessings. Worry still strengths, and worry produces problems. Worry can't solve tomorrow's problems, but worry can take away today's peace. Worry's an alarm to pray. So you know, what, you know the difference between worry and prayer, right? Worry is when you talk to yourself. Oh, this is going to go bad. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, no, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay the bills? Oh, no. Worry is when you talk to yourself. Prayer is when you talk to God. Who do you think you're better off talking to? Huh? 
Who do you think has a little more resources? Who do, you think, who do you think he can help you in your problem? Talk to yourself or talk to God? Mark Twain says, I've experienced many terrible things in life. And some actually happened. Right? That's worry. So we're to pray. How do we to pray on your outline there? How do we pray? Well, we, we, we take the problem. We read God's word and we find a promise. And then we dwell on that promise and we pray about it. Have you, ever, have you ever totally misunderstood God's word? Have you ever misunderstood one of his promises? Have you ever heard one of his promises twisted? When, when, when the Bible says love one another, do you think Jesus meant you should tolerate sin? When he said do not judge or you too will be judged, do you think he meant not to take a stand against unrighteous behavior? Do you think when he said in all things God works for the good that he was saying every story has a happy ending? Do you think when he said, I will surely bless you, he was promising to make you healthy, wealthy, happy, and problem-free? Don't misunderstand God's promises, but read his word and claim those promises. And not only when you, have a, when you pray, do you take the problem, find a promise, and pray. Could I add one more that's not on your list if you're taking notes? Also, praise him during the hard times. Can I give you a little, uh, little encouragement here? When you pray, not only, ha- and not only is it good to pray, but to praise, and not only is it good to have a prayer list, but it's good to have a praise list. I have a lot of songs on my phone and my laptop that I will listen to when I go through some hard times spiritually. There have been times in my life I've had to fall asleep at night with my, with my laptop by my bed with songs blasting and praising the Lord. The darkness doesn't like that. They don't like the, the Jesus to be praised. And I would just fall asleep to that praise music. Another encouragement for you on, on, on prayer on your outline there is each day fall down before you get up. This uh, year at our church, we started a 40 days of prayer campaign. And so in, in order to prepare for that, I hadn't, I hadn't really done this much in my life. But starting in the summer, I would get up every morning. And the first thing I do is get on my knees by my bed and start praying on my knees every morning. And, uh, and, and my routine back in the States, that's what I try to do. Fall down before you get up. Interesting. Do you know what the word desert means in Hebrew? Interesting. The word desert in the Hebrew means to listen or repeat or to speak. When God has you in a desert time, he's got an important message for you. Like Moses in the wilderness. Fall down before you get up. And the lastly, before we get to our last point, here's a, good, here's a good thought to meditate on. When you're going through a hard time, when you're hurting, trust that God is in the one hurting, not the thing that hurts. Think about that for a second. Sue, if you can stand up here for a second. When you're hurting, when you're going through a dark time, trust that God Where is God? So let's have, this, let's have this knife represent pain, abuse, rejection, betrayal, 
all types of negative things that we face in life, right? So when that happens, where do you think God is? Do you think he's in the thing that's hurting, that's the, one, the, the one that's doing the hurting? Or do you think he's in the one who is hurting? Where is God when that happens? Through abuse, through rejection, through betrayal, through separation. Where do you think he is? you think God's in the thing that's doing the hurting? Or do you think he's in the one, the believer, the child that's hurting? Thank you. Don't get those confused, right? You guys, you guys look a little intense at the moment. Everybody doing all right? Everybody? So don't get those confused. The peace of God. Lastly, we have peace with God. We have the peace of God. Jesus gives us peace with others. 2 Corinthians 5.18 All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And what did he give us? He gave us. He gave you the ministry of reconciliation. You're to help others to know the Lord and to know his peace. 1 Peter 3, 10 and 11. For whosoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good and let him what? Seek peace and pursue it. Jesus gives us peace with others. Now, what was the phrase that I asked you at the beginning? Say it with me if you can remember. It's on your outline there. Are you a peacemaker or a peace breaker? Now that you have God's peace and you have the peace of God, will you give it to others? Jesus gives us peace with others others. Now I have a few notes for you to take on. I always give a, I like to do handouts and I always give some notes, but I always have notes that aren't on there for those who are really ambitious and want to learn extra. And you'll want to write these next six steps down because really the two words are initiate and forgive. Uh, of course, Ephesians four thirty two: be kind to, to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. By the way, that's a command. Did you know you're commanded to forgive? You say, I don't really want to. Well, you don't have an option. If you're a Christ follower, you're commanded to. You're commanded to forgive. And so uh, I want to break it, break it down real quickly. I won't take long on these six steps. If you really want to learn how to initiate, forgive. If you really want to learn how to make peace with others and be a peacemaker, real quickly, number one is, is, is you ask God for wisdom. You pray. Very first thing you do, all things start with prayer. Ask James 1.5 for wisdom. Stop worrying, start praying. After you pray about, okay, Lord, I'm having, I'm having conflict with this individual. We had a little disagreement. We had a blow up. We had a fight, whatever. How do I make things? How do I make up? How do I be a peacemaker? First is you, you ask the Lord for wisdom. You pray. Number two, you take the first step. When you have a fight with your spouse, who should make up first? When you have a fight with your spouse, who should make up first? When you have a fight with someone, when you have a disagreement with a close friend, with your parents, with your kids, who should go first? Do you know the answer? The person who's more mature. So if you're immature, just wait on the other person and hopefully they'll be mature and do, you know, right? Now, but if you're mature, maybe you would go first, right? If you want to be like God, initiate. 
God always goes first. Did you know that? <laughs> he sent his son. Did you think of it? No, he initiated. Did you create the world? No, he initiated. He initiates. He goes first. So if you want to be like him, you go first. Take, uh, take that first uh, step towards others. It's very important. Do you know that in some ways, at certain times, God is more interested in you being right with others than worshiping him? You remember that scripture? Come forward, got your gift, going to lay it at the altar, and you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm not right with so-and-so. God says, right? He says, go make that right first, then come and worship me. Be, don't, don't, don't say you're right with me if you're not right with your brother. And so initiate is the second step. Um, and I know some people are more stuffers and some people are more dumpers, but whatever you are, take the first step. Go to that person. You say, well, it's scary to make things right. It's scary to go to other people. How many of you know the Bible says that love casts out fear? The little boy, was his name Connor, that was uh, worshiping the Lord down here? The little, I don't know how old he was, two years old or less. He was down here worshiping the Lord. He didn't care about what anyone else in this room was doing, did he? He was down here, you know, uh, praising the Lord. I don't know Connor. But if Connor were in Texas, there'd be a good chance if he played outside long enough, he'd come across a venomous snake. We're blessed with those in Texas. You know what I would do for Connor, even though I don't know him, if I saw him by a venomous snake? I, by the way, I don't like venomous snakes. They make me a little nervous. But you know what? My love for him would cast out that fear, and I would go rescue that little boy from snakes. Because that's what love does. It casts out fear, Right? When you love someone, when you love the Lord, you're going to do what's right, even if it's a little fearful. You take the first step. Number three, begin with your mistakes. How many of you know that, how many of you know you're, that uh, you're not perfect? In any type of an argument, any type of a disagreement, do you think you could have at least 1% fault? Maybe like 1%? I mean, the other person is probably 99, of course, right? But just in case you were to have one or two, maybe you could start off beginning with your problem, your mistake. How many of you know you have blind spots? You know we all have blind spots? Uh, my car is the only car I've ever had now that the, the lights come on when you have a blind spot. You, have you, any of you have a car like that? You familiar with those? Where you can't see a car and it's right up here, and so I have a little light that comes on my side mirror and says, somebody's in your blind spot. You need people in your life to help you see your blind spots because we all have them. Begin with your mistakes. Number four, listen. When you go to this person, you're trying to make peace Start with your mistakes, maybe the problem that you could have caused, and then listen with humility to their perspective. You know, sometimes the people who need love the most deserve it the least. Listen. Be humble. How can we make this better? How can we repair this relationship? Most of the time, in conflict, there's hurt. And you know why we like to argue in, in conflict? We like to argue over emotions. We're hurt, we're upset, we're angry, we're saddened. Listen, number five, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. A phrase that I need to remember and meditate on is you're never persuasive when you are abrasive. You're never persuasive when you're abrasive. And I sometimes get that way. Speak the truth in love. After my mom was married and divorced five times, after my dad was married and divorced twice, I wanted to marry a woman. I knew I was going into the ministry. I wanted to marry a lady that had never heard of the word divorce. 
that's all I knew in my family, and I, I didn't want any part of that. And so you need to watch out that you speak the truth in love and don't use trigger words. Well, if you do that, I'm going to leave you. Well, if you do that, I'm just going to avoid words like that. Speak the truth in love. Number six, lastly, the last step. Ask, seek prayer, go first. Begin with your mistake. Listen with humility. Speak the truth in love. And number six, fix the problem, not the person. Work on the problem, not the person. God can shape them and transform them. You can't do that. Fix the problem. Attack the issue, not each other. How many of you know there's a big difference between, man, that makes me sick. Whoops, losing my hardware. How many of you know there's a big difference between that makes me sick and you make me sick? Huh? Big, big, big difference there. Fix the problem, not the person. Well, today, do you have peace with God? Are you experiencing the peace of God? And are you allowing the Lord to help you give peace to others? Are you a peacemaker? On your outline there, humbleness leads to holiness, and holiness leads to happiness. And how do we describe happiness or supreme hope and joy at the beginning? It's peace with God, yourself, and others. You see humble people walk into a room, and they look on how they can serve others. And they create unity. And they are peacemakers. You know what the, pride pers- the prideful person does when he walks into a room? He wants power. He wants to divide. And he's a peace breaker. Humbleness leads to holiness, which leads to happiness. Today, are you a peacemaker or a peacebreaker? I'll finish with this. So, fast forward in my family, 35 to 40 years later, and I had no idea, but my mom was going to die, and this was about five years ago. She was 64 years old. I had no idea she was going to die in a few months. She was fine. And so, I'm at my sister's house in Indiana, and it's the first time in my life, first time ever, My mom and dad are in the same room on Christmas. And my family's there, and we go to Indiana from Texas, and we're we're celebrating, or from Michigan, wherever it was. We're there celebrating, and for the first time ever, I have a memory now of my mom and dad together in the same room on Christmas, celebrating and being happy. I had no idea in just a couple of months my mom would die. And that was the last time I was ever with my mom for Christmas. And it was the first time because they had both drawn closer to the Lord and now they were at peace with one another. And it was the first and the last Christmas I ever had with my mother where they were together because they had finally learned how to have and receive the peace of God and how to share that with each other. And now they were experiencing what it means to be peacemakers. And I just couldn't believe it. I just sat back. They were all, they were all around a big table. Everyone, but me, and, me and my mom, they were all around the big table playing cards and laughing and having fun. And I just wish I could have grown up that way. I never thought I would ever see that in my family. And you know what's kind of crazy? You know what my dad said about that ring when my wife and I get divorced by way? 
we, by God's grace, we've been married 33 years. In my family, every year is a new record. No one's ever been married that long because of the Lord. In Dissy's side of the family, we're just getting started. But in my side, it's a record. It's a big deal. But here's the cool thing. That same year, around that same time, my dad who said, hey, when she leaves you, we want the ring back. He went out and had my wife made, and he made her a special ring and gave it to her. That's the transformation of Jesus Christ in a life when you're at peace with him and peace with others. Imagine what it would be like if this place were flooded with the peace of Christ and people in this community heard about it. Imagine what it would be like if everyone knew this was a place of peace and that you had peace in your life and that your family had peace and you and your kids had peace and there was peace in this community and people started to hear throughout Belfast that this is a place you could come for peace. What would it be like if you were a peacemaker and not a peace breaker. You see, the good news is, is Jesus gives peace. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes?